this, this journey we started is a very familiar theme in the church uh, called spiritual warfare. Now, when you say that, a lot of people may think that I'm preaching about this because of what people celebrate this month. has absolutely nothing to do with that at all. Spiritual warfare has many different faces and many different ways that it is it is uh, experienced by people. And it also, uh, another word that everybody here is very familiar with, it, it does not discriminate at all. I don't mean race when I say that. When I say it doesn't discriminate, this is what I mean. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you know, what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been a Christian. If you are the worst person in the world, it doesn't matter. You are involved. You are a part of spiritual warfare. And you are really uh, very valuable in the sense that Satan does not want God to receive what he rightfully paid for at Calvary. And everybody needs to know that beginning right now. You are so valuable that God paid for you or paid to have you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And he paid that price because he wanted in every way possible what he had made and created. We were created in the image of God. He said, let us make man in our own image. Sin came in on the picture, and came into the picture, rather, and sin said, no, I want that. And ever since the garden, folks, Satan has tried to get his scaly paws, if you will, on what really belongs to God. And I don't care if you say, well, well, Pastor, I know people that hate God, don't believe in It doesn't matter about that. They cannot uncreate themselves. They, they, they cannot... They cannot ungrace God. They cannot un, um, uncross. Not a word. Don't look it up. You won't find it. Uh, but Jesus. In other words, they can't undo what the Lord Jesus has already done for all of us and whosoever will that's ever been born or ever will be born. So Satan knows this. And when he is not successful with with you, meaning that you've accepted the, the free gift of salvation and you have dedicated and you devote your life to following Jesus Christ, then he knows that he has to use another set of, um, I don't want to say tools, another type of arsenal or weapons. I'm going to use that word. He, he has another set of weapons he has to use for you. Even though you've already been saved, he still hates you because God made you and then that increased even more uh, when you joined the other side and now it's try you're trying to inflict pain back to him. So that, that, is, um, that is something that, that never changes. So here we go today on spiritual warfare. When we talk about this, and we are all on the battleground, everybody's on the battleground. You can call out rock stars that said that they sold their soul to the devil or they received a contract, and that's how they got successful, and you can play their records back. I'm going old school, okay? And, you know, backward masking, you got to explain that when you get home to youngins. But anyway... And it said, smoke marijuana or the devil's your buddy or what all the things they say it said. You got you to understand this, that, that when you became a Christian in spiritual warfare, weapons, weapons change because if you are on the battleground, you, you've got to know that. You've got to know you are on a battleground, and a battleground is not a playground. And people treat it like it's a playground, and they don't really take things serious. So, 
we talked about some things that we have to have on this battleground and in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare in the past two years has been more noticeable that for people that are actually paying attention or discerning. Uh, and, and it's not obvious to, to a lot of people because consciences, the Bible say, says, are, are, can be seared and are seared. And then uh, the love of many, I'm just throwing out some things quickly. The love of many wax cold and you hear things like the word of God falling on deaf ears. All these kinds of things. And Satan knows this stuff, folks. He knows this. And so that's why on the battleground that is not a playground, one of the things that you have to have on it two weeks ago, we said, was strength. Because if you don't have strength, you certainly can't fight. And we know that our the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, you also have to have power. You've got to have that Holy Ghost power, the power that just really came against and defeated anything that the gates of hell would try to throw at the church. You can start in Acts chapter 2 or really start at chapter 1 and just go all the way through. Acts, if you need more explanation on that. And there's another thing that the Bible tells us that is vital and critical on, and, and see, I had to try to give as much of an introduction as I could because I'm about to go, Whoa. a lot of people's going to tune me out because this is a generic term even to the world. And so I'm trying to give you another little platform here before I say it. And so uh, the world and even the church world has uh, kind of turned a deaf ear to this because they don't believe in it and they don't understand the power in it so people don't pray. And prayer is what you better realize sooner than later You've got to have, you better have it in 2021 because you're going to run into things before you die if you haven't already or if you're not in it right now where absolutely nothing will begin to change any part of your situation except for through the vehicle and the vessel of prayer. I want to tell you, if you have not done this, there, there are five things that Job uh taught on Wednesday night about why people don't walk in the power of God. And they're, they're very simple things. You know, sin and unbelief and fear and ignorance and a prayerlessness, not necessarily in the right order. But if you haven't listened to that, in fact, if you've got the app, we're going to try to help you out with that and give you a reminder anytime now. But when you get home, you need to go to the website and you need to pull up when you can listen and focus. This is only about 40 minutes, folks, and it'll make a big difference in your life, especially if you have a hard time understanding uh, the things of God and how, how to walk and how to live and how to operate. You must do this because it is vital. And it's so good, a lot of things God laid on his heart that he brought out. And so, one of the, uh, well, a few of the things I'm going to get to in a minute that, that he brought out Wednesday night, all is centered around prayerlessness. And he made many references to that before he actually called it what it was. But I'm not going to preach what he taught. You need to go do that. But I do want to just give you the, the base scripture right now, because I'm telling you where we are is only going to get worse because Satan, is, Satan knows the Bible better, better than any theologian living. He knows the word of God. He can quote the word of God. And so he's very familiar with the Antichrist and the role that the Antichrist is going to play in his kingdom and in, in, in his world with what he's got coming. And he's aware of the seasons. He's aware of the technology. Everything that's happening, it doesn't matter what it is, unless it's the gospel going forward and being preached to sinners. If it is in the world, Satan is using it at some level or another for your destruction. You don't have to believe me or agree with me. It doesn't matter about that. 
the, the, if you can dig deep enough, you will see that he, and he will use everything from political correctness. He will use everything that seems uh, very good and humanitarian, and he will use everything that just seems so great. And this is, this is old. This is good. You know, feeding people, taking care of clothing. He'll do all these kinds of things. And everything's not bad. I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you unless it's the gospel going forth, if it exists in this world, he has power over it. He told Jesus he did. And I'm repeating some things. And not only does he have power over it, but he also uses it to destroy you and me and everybody at some level or another. And the Bible says, we've been talking about it for two weeks in Ephesians chapter 6. Whether you believe it or not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't. You know the scripture. We've, we've had it for you every week. In fact, it's on the screen right now. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Look at there. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All of those things laid out. That's talking about the powers and the workings and, and the actual muscle and engine of this world that you live in. Satan is behind all of the things at one level or another, and it's all to kill, steal, and destroy, and people don't realize that. So the thing, prayer, that is critical on the, the list of things that I need on the battlefield. Now, look, I got to pray. I got to pray because I feel led to pray. There's no fan or nothing going on in here right now. That's why I asked Chris to kind of camp out earlier until I got where I needed to be. I thank God for that. But there's nothing going on right now but me. Don't nobody say nothing. I'm going to say it for you. I get nervous when that happens. Because I, I use the noise in the room sometimes to help me with things that the enemy tries to use against me while I stand behind this metal podium right here. He's already working on me right here. And he's putting everything in my mind except for what God has already ordained. What does that mean to you? That means you need to pray for the preacher right now. And it also means somebody needs to find the fan at least on the air conditioner. Amen? If you're cold, move around. There's some hot spots in this church. All right, Father? I pray that you would, you would help me. I need you to help me, Lord. I'm preaching a holy word from a holy God, and I'm a man of flesh that's been saved and called by you. And I know that part of what is happening today, or if not all, is very serious and a very serious threat to the kingdom of darkness. So I ask you, Lord, would you help me to decrease so you can increase and the word will go forth and people will hear and receive what they need, Lord, what we all must have on this battleground. I rebuke the thief. He's a thief. He's a liar. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would do what only you can do, and that is provide, Lord, provide what we need we need we need clarity god we need protection god and lord we need the anointing and everything you'll do we'll give you praise for it in jesus name amen amen so um i want to tell you about a story that probably everybody knows and you're gonna have to follow along with me all right we're going to go to Daniel chapter 2. Now, before we really go where we're going, I need you to pay attention today because you may know this story so well, like prayer, that you tune it out. And see, the worst thing that can happen today is for both of us to leave here and not be helped by the Word of God. And it's not going to be the Word's fault. Because the word's here. 
it's going to be mine. So I need you to, to follow along with me today. That even means if you need to read out loud, it's this serious. The threat is this serious. The, these, the attacks are that great that it'd be fine for you to read out loud. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I've had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made as an ash heap. However... If you tell it and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing that the king requests, and there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known. He told Daniel everything that had happened. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then, need to really focus right here, folks. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah Mishael and Azariah, his companions, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they might seek mercies from the God, not gods, but the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. God showed Nebuchadnezzar the vision in a dream. This is the way God communicated. And then he communicated back uh, after prayer to Daniel in a vision. That's how God did it. It wasn't a neon sign. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't in the latest book released by a, a gospel preacher. It was in a vision. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. There's a lot going on here. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta preach what I've been told to preach today. But there's already about three messages, and I'm getting into a fourth one right now that I can't preach today. But I'm gonna tell you quickly about it. So Daniel, bless the God of heaven. I gotta stop and tell you what I'm talking about. Their lives have not been spared. 
He hasn't gone to the king and explained the vision. He hasn't done anything but prayed. Say amen. He hasn't talked to anybody else. But as soon as he prayed and God spoke back to him through a vision, he didn't wait. He didn't give it any time. But the Bible says, Daniel answered. When God spoke, Daniel spoke back. I feel the power of God right now. And answered and said. He didn't know if he's going to live or die or anything. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. We also pray for that every day. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals, here you go, folks, deep and secret things. See, God, here I go, number five here, not preaching today. God's been doing that for the past two years now. People ain't picked up on it, but God's been doing it. So keep on keeping on. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask you for. Say amen. For you have made known to us the king's demand. So Daniel went on, the Bible says, he went on and he went before the king. You can read it for yourselves. He told him what the statue meant, what all the things meant, the toes, the pottery broken. I, I'm not going to tell you, but you read it. He told him what everything meant and what it would come down to. He even told him things pertaining to his lifespan and what all of that meant. He told him everything. And he did all of this because he was on a battleground. Listen, church, if you're online and you're distracted, stop what you're doing and listen because this is where all the thieving takes place. He's trying to steal the word right now, so you'll walk out of here and have just attended another religious gathering. Amen. Y'all, I know the building's not full, but y'all can bring it, all right? So I need you to bring it. I told you I'm fighting a battle up here today, so I need you to preach with me today, okay? I'm going to preach, but I sure need you to help today because it's not just me knowing what to say next, but the devil detests the fact I'm preaching this, but number two, he hates the fact that you might pick up on some part of it and he lose something tomorrow or tonight with you. So let's try it again. Amen, church. There you go, see? He'll stay away a little bit longer if he sees you're engaged, all right? But why did all this happen, and why did they pray, folks? Well, if you go back one, I'm really fighting. I need everybody to focus up here now. I'm telling you, I need you to focus. I need people to look this way, watch me or the screen. I do need you to help me with that. They were able to see God move and respond when their life was on the line because in the previous chapter, we get to look into how all this is set up. In the previous chapter, what was happening was, was very obvious. All of the young men, the teenagers, the boys, had food set before them that was given by the king, and it was dedicated to an idol, to a dead, non-existent God. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I've already mentioned them, said, we're not going to take part in the king's meat and the king's wine. We are not going to take part in what the world has to offer right now. And the, one of the workers for the king said, you can't do that, I'll get in trouble. He said, well, and all of you know about this. We talk about this during the fast. He said, well, give, me, give us water and give us vegetables for 10 days. And you know they look better than everybody else that filled up on the world's mess. 
and they said, we can't do that. If we starve to death, there's a lot I'm not saying right now, you need to read through the lines. If we starve to death right now, we're not going to take part in what the world is feasting on right now just because it is fulfilling and it's gratifying and everybody else is taking part in it. So why, I, why can't I take in part in it? I'm saved after all. They wouldn't take, They were willing to die before they would eat something offered to a God that was not the most high God. If you go over another chapter, chapter 3, you will see they wouldn't not only take part in, in the world's wine and their meat, they wouldn't take part in the world's worship. They would not do that. What do you mean by that? Well, there was a big old statue built, and everybody had to kneel down and pray when the trumpet sounded. They said, we can't do that. That's not God. That's, Je that's not Jehovah. That's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's not the great I am. We can't take part in the world's worship. Well, you're going to die then, and we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And so they stood up for God when it come to the world and making them fat and happy, and they stood up to, to the world and to the devil when they stood up for God, and then they stood up to the devil when they had a chance to just do what was necessary so they don't die in the furnace and they don't, they don't end their lives. They didn't worship neither way with the wine and they didn't worship with the statue. They didn't do it. They didn't want any part of it because they knew who their God was. So, folks, the moral of the message today, the story is, when you are willing to be the real deal all the time, doesn't matter what's on the line, when you go to pray, oh, you can hear from God. You see, that's what I've been telling you for about 20 minutes. Amen? So when it was time to pray, that was part of their everyday life. That was part of who they were. That they depended on prayer more than they depended on anything else. So they, they didn't pray that they could make a house payment or a car payment or that they would get a new job or not lose their job or that they would get rid of a headache or anything else. They were praying that their lives would not be taken by the hands of someone that wanted them to do something that God was not in. God's not in soothsaying and magicians. I know a lot of people, you flirt around with horoscopes and all that. Don't do that. Don't you do that. I don't have a problem telling you that. Stay away from the world and anything that is of the world don't worship with it. Don't eat with it. Don't partake with it. That's why when you pray, nothing happens. That's why when you don't feel like coming to church, I'll bring it up again, it's easy not to come to church because you're playing and you're flirting and you're eating and you're worshiping, so there's no problem not being sold out and dedicated to God. And so when we do pray for eyes to be open, our homosexuals to be set free, our addicts to be delivered, our marriages to get back together, our wayward children to come home, or for our finances to turn around for a change, that's why nothing seems to work. I'm praying God is not real, God doesn't care. Yes, He is, but you are not serious. I'm not serious. We pick and choose when we want to be religious, when we want to be righteous, when we want to be holy, when we want to be real. And God's a jealous God. Amen, amen. He's a jealous God. And God's just not going to put up with that kind of stuff. You know what? And I want you to pay attention closely. Because there's a lot of things the Bible says about prayer and about praying. Prayer is ought to define who you are. It ought to define the way you live, the way you work, the way you operate your life. It ought to be what people say about you more than what you're wearing or driving or can do or what you possess. People ought to say, 
I don't know about that, but that's a praying girl right there. That's a praying man right there. That woman right there, I know she don't get all in that drum and all, but she's a praying woman. I can't talk to you about that, but I know that's a praying church right there. They'll pray before they'll do anything. They'll pray when they get up in the morning. They'll pray if they don't have anything else to do. They'll pray because they know that God is real, and it seems like every time you talk to them or you try to get a hold to them, they were just praying or they were involved in prayer somewhere. And so, folks, the Bible teaches you and I that prayer is by far the most valuable thing you could ever have in your life that God has given to you that you can boldly approach the throne of God. We've got a mediator. We've got somebody always praying for us and helping us and praying in a way you cannot pray, but you have access yourself to pray, and you ought not to just kick that, that resource to the side. It ought to be how you walk every day. You walk in prayer. It ought to be how people come to you and approach you. I don't need any money from you, but I need for you to pray for me because I got a splitting headache I can't get rid of. Will you just call my name out in prayer? And they know who you are. They know how you live. They know that you're in love with Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you were a teenage boy, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo, and Daniel, or if you're a young lady, or an old man, or unlearned in the scriptures. If you know that prayer is the best thing I've got going for me, you can see not only your neck get off the line, but the Bible says you can see mountains move, church. And if we're all honest, we absolutely do not. I can call a prayer meeting. I can call a prayer meeting. I can say we're going to come in here and watch Fireproof and have free popcorn. There'll be about 60 or 80 people. Nothing wrong with Fireproof. But do you see what I'm talking about? We are an entertained, driven society. We don't know the power of prayer, so therefore we don't engage in prayer. Bible says, you know, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we're told one of the things, if you pray, you know, if you turn, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, he said, if you pray. Then there was another time Jesus told us in Matthew 26 that we were to watch you know, I preached about that several months ago. Watch and pray. Then over again, there was another time when the disciples were all asleep, and he came to them and he said, y'all don't know what's about to happen. You need to rise and pray. I will say this right quick. We think we know what's happened, but we have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm telling you what God is saying right now. This is the day, this is the season when it's time for the blood-bought child of God to rise and pray. We've all, all, the, all ten virgins have been asleep, the Bible says, but five of them woke up. A lot of people believe that that represents the number that's going in the church, in the rapture, about a half, about a half. At least five did wake up, and I'm telling you, it's time to wake up, and it's time to rise and pray, just like Jesus told the disciples. He also said, look, don't just pray vain repetitions, but after this manner, you ought to pray like this, Matthew 6, 9. Therefore pray, and you know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then there was another time, he said in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, because you see, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the religious rulers, all the people of that day, they liked to go around praying in the street so people could hear them because they knew fancy words and all these kinds of things. He said, when you pray, when you pray, go into a closet, go to a secret place. When you pray, don't announce it. He said, and this is how I'll respond. When you pray in secret, he said, I will reward you openly. He said, I want you to be quiet when you're praying as far as not a net. Now, you can yell your lungs off when you're praying to God. I'm not saying that. But don't ever, oh, I'm going to pray for you right now. He said, when you pray, you pray in secret. Don't even let anybody know. You, you pray in secret. 
He said, but when I get ready to respond, I won't do it quietly. He said, I'll do it, and it'll be not just because I love you, but show you my approval for you doing things the way I say to do them and not the way the church or the religious community says to do them. There was another time that Paul said in the First Thessalonians, the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, he said this, he said, Pray all the time. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Well, pastor, how do you do that? Number one, you've got to accept and realize you actually can do that. When you're driving down the road, you can call names out. When you're driving down the road, when you are mixing a bowl of uh, grits. Oh, that was bad. When you are mixing up some cake mix for a good chocolate cake, you know then you, you, God could lay people, situations, things on your heart and you begin to pray about needs. You could pray for the ministries of the church when you're shopping, when you're going through. Hey, I don't want to say it, but look, the challenge this week, the homework for today is turn that box off, close that lid on that thing, press that power button. All the hours that is spent on that, you, you spend that in prayer to God and praising God while you're praying to God and you watch what your life looks like this time next week. Pray without ceasing. Luke 18 and 1, he said, I don't care what's going on, how bad it is in the United States of America or any other place of the earth. He said, don't lose heart. You ought to always pray. What we're going to do about this, they're going to call for the note on the church. What we're going to do, we've got a huge light bill. We've got an unexpected bill, which we did, about an $18,000 bill about a month ago. We were not expecting. We had, I don't care. The I, I, Look, I ain't got nothing to hide. We had to borrow the money because we could not deny, and we had to address what happened. What did we do? We prayed about it. God said, call the man, and he'll put it there. I called the man, and he put it in our account. That's what we did. God might lay it on your heart for you to put it back in his account. I don't know. But when you come up against things that are bigger than you or even things you think you can do, don't even fool with you. Pray always. Men ought to always pray. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. And the God who sees you driving down the road in secret, you're not behind the pulpit or with a microphone or on a stage, the God that sees you praying in secret will reward you openly. The Bible says when you are afflicted, when you're hurting, when you pray, he says you can be healed. If you're afflicted, pray. I know, well... I'm going to take aspirin and pray. You, you do that if you want to. But I like the prayer route myself. I do. Romans 8, 26. You don't have this, but I got this, and I, I want to tell you this. Likewise, the Spirit also help us. Help, help us. That's a new one for you to have today. Helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for, as we ought to. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be heard. And you know, folks, if you were to skip over in Daniel 2 and go down to verse 28, you know what Daniel said when he went before King Nebuchadnezzar? He answered, verse 27, and he said to the king, he said, the secret which the king has demanded, he said, the wise men, the astrologers, the soothsayers, the, the magicians, they cannot declare it to the king. Are you ready for this? He said, but there is a God. There is a God. There is a God, king. There is a God, world. There is a God, your situation. There is a God. Nobody else may not be able to help you, but there is a God that can reveal and who reveals secret things. So what did we say happened when they felt like their life was on the line and it was on the line well I'll just tell you real quick the Bible says that when Daniel realized that his life was on the line his situation was growing bleak 
he began to do what he always did. Church, can I tell you this? I want you to listen to this. If you are used to praying, you won't have to start praying. If you are used to calling out to God, you won't have to start calling out to God. So Daniel was told, Daniel was told, they're killing all the wise men and the magicians and the soothsayers. I, I'm through now, guys. Y'all can, can get rid of me. He told them that we've got a problem. They want to kill us. They want to destroy us. And he got with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had a prayer meeting. And they knelt down and began to call on God. As you bow your head this morning, I want to ask every person here. What's going on? What's going on? Is it, is it bad? You know, last week I talked about if you had a need and, or you were in a place where you couldn't take no more. What's going on in your life, in your world? Has it not gotten bad enough yet? I'm telling you right now, the reason the soothsayers couldn't do it, couldn't make a difference, because there was no difference in them than there was Daniel like there was in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But all the difference in the world was in the way those boys lived their lives. And when they prayed, it mattered. When they prayed, God heard. When they prayed, God responded. This morning in this church, you may not be charged with or given the chore of interpreting a dream. But you have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save a soul from hell. And God is ready for you to rise up and deliver that message. And Father, I pray today that you would help every single one of us inside or outside the building understand that it is high time for us to rise and pray. That you would respond if we just would pray, Lord. Help us to know, Lord, we are on a battleground and the devil is going to attack us and we're always going to either run or try to play defense. We'll never be in a position to play offense. But God, if we can understand prayer and develop a life of prayer, Lord, everything and literally everything in and around us will change. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
want y'all on the stage and anybody out here, I won't do what this song says. We got to pray for each other. And I'm going to ask you right now, before we leave this church, I want you to come and let's bear everybody's burden together. This is what we've got to get used to doing. I told you weeks ago, we're going to only be the only ones to help each other out. And you're going to realize that sooner than later. God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray.
yet. We know that, God, you're not finished with what you started in any life here, God. Your word is something that you are always fulfilling. God, help us to see. You didn't just speak your word and that was it. God, you're feeling it every day of our lives, Lord. You're, you're doing things we don't know you're doing. You're answering prayers, God, that grandmas prayed two generations ago. God, you are still honoring your promise with Abraham that his seed would be like the sands of the sea. God, you never stop working, Lord. You never stop working. You never stop meeting needs. You never stop answering prayers. You never stop taking care of us, Lord. So help us to know, Lord, we can pray in faith believing, God. And I pray today anybody lost, you're not a believer. Oh, God, help them right now to see. And just pray, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I am punished, Lord, every day that I live, whether I realize it or not. The devil punishes me, not because I'm a sinner, but because I'm made in your image. God, he just plagues my life with sin after sin. And Lord, I need to be delivered from sin and all of its bondages. So forgive me today, Jesus. I, I don't pray this just so I can miss hell. I pray this because you give me this gift. I pray this because you, you paid a price to have me, oh God. And I, I want you to get your investment, Lord, that you've made on my life. So help me, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says if you pray and you believe and you turn and you commit your way to the Lord, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. You're a child of the Most High God. Hallelujah in heaven is your home that you can look forward to and you can look to every day. God, I pray over this church. God, we would realize, Lord, again, we've been in basic training another Sunday. It may have looked like church. It may have looked like chairs and screens and praise music and a preacher. But God, you've been preparing us for this battleground we are on, Lord. And it's time for the church to not just rise and pray, but it's time for us to rise and fight. And there's no better way to fight than through praying, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we pray and we commit our lives to you, Lord. We we train for prayer, Lord. We discipline our bodies. We bring it into subjection, Lord, so that we can pray. Before anybody leaves, I want you to listen. I want you to look up. If you have your head bowed, I just want you to look. You can continue praying in a moment, but I want you to listen. I was borderline about to tell the devil no. I mean, tell the Lord no a while ago. But God said, if you, do, if you don't do this because of your flesh, you will, you will regret it, and it will cost other people. So from 6 o'clock to 6.30, I'm, I'm going to be very specific. God was specific with me. We're going to come, and we're going we're gonna, to, some kind of way, we're going to have a prayer circles together. So we're not really going to sit in our seats, okay? Not even really going to kneel at the altar. You can. I'm not telling you what. And I, I don't need but two other people for me to make a complete circle. I don't need but two more. But from 6 to 6.30, I think it's time to quit preaching and talking and singing and devotioning everything to death. And it's time to practice and believe and make the devil a believer that we actually believe we are on the battleground. I know it's Sunday. I rest. My pajamas is waiting on me. I get that. And they will be put on. But they will be taken back off so that I can come pray with somebody that gets it for 30 minutes. It's not trying to pressure you. I don't know why it would ever come across as pressure to a child that's been bought by the blood of Jesus about praying. It's a privilege to pray. I've covered that. And I know it's in our framework of thinking, it's way time to go home, especially if we're coming back. But folks, the devil has spent more time on you failing this week than you will ever spend on succeeding and walking in power and being serious about prayer, ever. He spent more time. He's dedicated to your demise and your destruction. He's dedicated to your family 
failing and going to hell. He's dedicated to you believing everything except for what God has said. So there comes a time when we really have to tell ourselves, wait, I'm a citizen of heaven. I've got to function like a Christian. I've got to act like a soldier. I've got to tell my flesh, no, you will not win today or tomorrow or tomorrow night. I'm going to do what God has called me to do because what I'm doing has not gotten me where I need to be right now. And I'm telling you, out of all the things Jesus could have done before being crucified, he chose to pray. The man that could make water into wine, that could call for the dead and they would come back, that could open blind eyes, that could walk on water, he could do anything he wanted to do. Why would you need to pray if you can do that? Because he knew that God said, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to pray. Because you're supposed to love me enough to want to talk to me every moment you get. So Jesus loved the Father and missed him so much. He just spent his last moments on this earth praying. And I think we need to realize it's time for us to turn into prayer warriors. So I'm telling you, I'm not going to take attendance. And I'm going to tell Angie and the foyer, well, they showed up. They didn't show up. I'm not doing that. That's as carnal as smoking pot. Okay, I got your attention when I said pot, didn't I? But it is. It does no good to pray if I'm going to come in here and see if I'm going to be encouraged by a great number of people or discouraged by nobody showing up, which has happened many times before. But I think somebody out of what's left in here today really understands, and you see through everything, the deep things have been revealed to you. And your needs and the needs of people in this world and needs of people that's living in darkness is important enough to come and pray. Don't be carnal and say, I can pray at home. You don't pray at home. That's why your prayers are still mounting up. You don't pray at home. Don't go religious on me. You don't pray at home. You do devotions and don't even say blessings. It's time to admit we are Christians in name, but we are not warriors of the cross. Amen. And it's time to make a difference and be warriors of the cross. Newsflash that you can believe. That's the only reason you are still left here. It's not to have more, do more, see more, buy more, or be more. It's to win souls for Jesus Christ and be a warrior that gets it. Amen. So I pray that God bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. I really pray this prayer. I pray that the Lord would turn his countenance, and this is not part of it, but slam to you right now. And I pray he gives you peace because you know what? You can go through everything. And have the peace of God. The stoning of Stephen alone proves that. Your flesh can be tortured, but you can still have peace that passes understanding. Amen. I love that peace. Amen. Amen. I love that peace. I love y'all. God bless you. God bless you.